0: Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025, the game. Nick Braden D. Mays Marquise with you. Hour number three here on a Wednesday edition, ESPN 1025, the game. Braden is here, back from uh, Daddy Duty, and he's brought the goodies.
1: Uh yeah, I just want to say thank you guys for for carrying the load this morning. I do appreciate all the effort there to to, to carry carry your teammate. Yeah. Um, well, look, we try
2: to drop them. Load but management's we a big
0: thing these days. <laughs> it's
1: all about load management. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I got I got two meat kolaches that have uh, some Spanish Texas sausage in there with some cheese, and I knew Derek wouldn't touch that. So no. one for Marquise, one for for Kale. Then we've got the uh, apple cinnamon kolache, the cream cheese kolache, the cherry kolache, and the blueberry kolache. Marquise says he doesn't want his second Kalachi because I got two for Kale and two for Marquise. And he says he doesn't want it because he's worried about his game.
0: Kale loves Kalachi. huh.
1: He's worried about his basketball game. And from what I saw yesterday, he should be. Mm. Just saying
0: mm. you don't want to eat a Kalachi you might weigh down that jumper. Uh-huh. Rumor has it, Marquise no, can't jump not, over a
1: phone book. Jumper's not bad. Oh. He's just he, he's just sort of a he's just sort of a Tasmanian devil bull in a China shop. Sort of. You did say you're a slasher who likes to get to the rack, and um, so he's like Danny Green. He's very well. If, if Danny Green fouled out in the first six possessions, <laughs> hey, I like to play some physical
0: <laughs> basketball, man.
3: I,
1: I took it to the rack like three times, and I ended up on my face, and I was like, Marquise, dude, chill. I am almost forty. Relax. So
0: Marquise plays by the rules of no blood, no foul.
1: Basically, I go, I got it. And He goes, what? I go, no harm, no foul. Retro goes, dude, that was really physical. <laughs> and Marquise <laughs> is like, what? I didn't do anything. <laughs>
3: Mm-mm. Just like an NBA player, what? I threw <laughs> he, my hands said, really?
1: <laughs> What? On the, on the very next position, I went at him and I just I breathed on him and he fell backwards. And he's like, <laughs> oh, D. he Bloody like, Bloody I was like, "Come on, come no. on, all right. <laughs> all right,
0: a lot of good stuff to get to. It is D-Mace dissection time. As eighty-five, we'll break down the all twenty-two. Uh, what's on your um, your Bunsen um, your Bunsen burner and
2: scalpel this week? This week again, it's the quarterback position okay I'm shocked by that um and i got a few plays i could, you know i could have went through the whole thing um and and picked out a bunch of plays just like i could when i'm dissecting marcus i picked out some incomplete passes you know and and i got some completions um as i did with marcus um you know but the, it just seemed to me the offense was you know it was flowing a little bit better um the offensive line blocked um a little bit better, but there still were times I thought, even with one of the plays that I dissected, I thought Tannehill could have got to an individual a little bit earlier. Um, he could have saw it a little bit earlier, but he still managed to get the ball to him. But he kind of got it to him a little bit earlier, uh, made it more of a difficult catch uh, for the receiver. So, but I get to all of that, um, you know, here once, once my. Dissecting music comes on my theme song. I needed
1: to be here at eight o'clock to make sure I took yeah. my took my medicine. For okay, you, so uh, I'm here to listen to how great Ryan Tannehill is.
2: Oh yeah! Once again, an installment of D. Maces Wednesday dissection of the Tennessee Titans and their offense, in particular their quarterback. And the this scalpel. week. It's not Marcus Mariota. It's not Steve McNair. It's not Hasselbeck. It's not <laughs> Billy Volick. Billy Volick. Oh, Zach Mettenberger. It's not Zach Mettenberger. It's one How about Ryan. Matt? How about Matt Hasselbeck? No, not Matt <laughs> <laughs> either well, Hasselbeck. Either Hasselbeck. <laughs> Hasselbeck. It's one Ryan the fire (laughs) tanning here. Alright people, here we go. First play. It's um, 2nd and 16 at Tennessee's 49. There's 9 minutes and 29 seconds left. I'm going to call this play Empty Trips Left. Um, It's man coverage um, on this play. um, The running back motions outside. Here's the deal with this, uh, Ryan Tannehill. Once once the or running back comes out of the backfield, once um, Leon Lewis motions out the backfield, he reads the coverage. He reads it, man, or zone. He has a better idea of what's going on. What I like about this play is it's a quick hit play for Ryan Tannehill. He he knows that his zone. He knows that his man defense. And now what he wants to do, because it's second and sixteen, what he wants to do now is to pick up plus yardage. He wants to make it, you know, third and manageable, so to speak. Uh, and they run their routes based upon that. So what he does now is he sees Adam Humphreys, he sees him over the ball, he hits him very quickly over the ball for six yards. Ryan, t- Ryan, um mean um, um, Humphreys. Turns around, catches the ball, turns it up, gets tackled on this. What I love so much about this play was he was decisive. He knew that on second and sixteen, he wasn't going to get all sixteen yards back. But what he was going to do being a veteran quarterback, okay, if I can get at least six to eight yards. Get back, half of it back. Half of it back, then it makes it, you know, third and eight. Third and ten—that's a little bit more manageable than third and twelve or, or third and fourteen. So what he does is, they motion the back out the backfield. He sees that his man-to-man coverage—it was man-free. He hits Humphreys over the ball for a six-yard gain. The bad part about that is that now you got third and ten. All right, so moving on. But I like that play. I think that's a play that Marcus too would have, you know, made. So I'm not, I'm not, you know putting his play in and say, oh, Ryan Tannehill would, just made, would have just made that play. No, I think Marcus would have made that play, too. But what I like about that play is that he was decisive. He knew the coverage very quickly, and he hit the guy right over the ball. A safe pass, safe pass, get it to the guy quickly, and hopefully Humphreys can turn it up, but the linebacker was right and there.
0: J- just for clarification, is that why a lot of times the Patriots will come out five wide, and James White will be flanked all the way out, and then they'll motion him back into the mm-hmm. backfield to almost identify the defense, yeah. man versus zone? Yeah, oh, yeah. You,
2: you want to get a look at, at what they're playing because uh, what I've what what I've understood about the NFL, what they start off in, they're not going to be in once the ball is. The pre-snap read is going to be something different. So before the snap, they're playing a the defense, and then at the snap of the ball, typically they run something else. Um, so if you have a guy in motion... Whether it be the running back, the tight end, the receiver, now you get a more of a clearer picture of what the defense is going to do. Again, they still can change it, but you get sort of a clearer picture of what they're going to do.
1: And, and I think it's a lot harder to identify in the NFL. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know the coaches are, do such a such a good job of disguising things. In the, if you watch the college game closely, you can pick up on man and zone pretty easily as a fan. I don't think it's that way in the NFL. Like I, I, I think that's where there's a big difference between the college game and the pro game is the defensive secondary pass coverages are so much more disguised Mm -hmm. in the NFL. Whereas if you watch a college game and you see a receiver, you see, you know, a a two receiver set to one side Mm -hmm. and one guy motions, everybody in the world knows that it's man or zone. Exactly. And in the NFL, you still have no clue. I mean, you think you might know, Mm -hmm. but you have no clue. It
2: could be, you know, they could run two man. It could still be a a zone anything but man coverage. Um, All right. Second play here. Um... We have third and five at the Chargers twenty-seven yard line with six minutes and twelve seconds left in the first quarter. Um, I'm going to call this bunch left hop, which means the H is outside motion. Um, he's on a he's on the side of the formation, but he's motioning outside the two receivers that are inside him. They start off in a sort of a bunch formation and then Humphreys uh, motions outside of the two receivers. I'm going. It's bunch left hop, X. I mean H under, X nine stop. This was an incomplete pass. What I didn't like about this pass, for one, when 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 Humphrey's motions from a from a bunch split to a more of a three by one, Tannehill reads as as man. It's man defense now. It's man free. They're gonna cut whoever comes across the field uh, in a three receiver set. They're going to cut it with the backside safety um, just in case he's running a shallow cross or a deep end. He sees that it's man-to-man. There's two problems with this, one on the quarterback and one on the receiver. He's throwing it to A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown is is pressed man-to-man. He has to be a little bit more physical. He has to get his depth. Because it's third and five. He has to get his depth. And then Ryan Tannehill on this play. He reads the coverage. He knows where he's going, which is the right read. But he has to throw it outside of the receiver. He threw the ball inside. It could have been a pass interference. I think it was a holding. They could have called defensive holding on that play. They didn't. I don't know why they didn't. I don't know why um, coach didn't throw the flag, but nine times out of ten, are they going to overturn a call they didn't make? No. Or are they going to make another call that they didn't make on the field? No, in in regards to holding um, pass interference. But this play, he could have, had he thrown it outside, he would have gave the receiver a better opportunity to catch the football. But he didn't. He threw a slight knee inside, and luckily, this pass was not intercepted because it was tipped by the defensive back, and the safety's right there. The safety can't quite get to it before he hits the ground. So this is a this is a situation where I think the more and more Tannehill plays, the more comfortable he gets with these receivers. He knows that he needs to throw it outside of, of, of A.J. Brown or Corey Davis on a nine stop. He needs to throw it outside, keep it away from the defensive back, and these guys can catch it, use their big bodies, their strong hands, catch it and turn it up to field. He didn't do that on his play. Read the coverage, right. It was man to man, but he did not throw the ball outside. Nine stops, typically, you got to throw that thing outside the left shoulder or the right shoulder. A lot of guy to catch it, turn up the field, and get a couple extra yards. Ryan didn't do it. Luckily, on that play, It wasn't an interception. So, I mean, bad on Ryan. I mean, I don't know if Marcus would have done the same thing or not, but we're just talking about Ryan right here. That was one of his bad plays in regards to throwing the football.
1: I think you should bench him. Put in Mariota.
2: (laughs) We can't bench the guy. We can't bench him. Not yet. I mean, put Marcus back in, and maybe we win some more games. Maybe not. But uh, we can't bench the guy. You got uh, one more. Yeah, I got one more for you. Um, We're going to go second and five at Tennessee's twenty-six. And now this is the play that I I like for for two reasons. One is because again Ryan scanned the field. Um, and then, secondly, he threw it into a tight window. Uh, but what I don't like about this, and I talked about it before, is he waited too long to throw the ball. The pass is there; the receiver is open. And in, open in the NFL is a yard, probably not even that. So, if
0: open's a yard, is waiting too long just a half second?
2: Yeah, half. Se- yeah, half second. If that exactly. Yeah. Um, and 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 what happens is. Ryan they they are in a formation. I'm going to give you the formation right here. It's uh, second and 5, at Tennessee's 26-14, 26 left in the game in the second quarter. Um they go TAM to I-right, which means tight end across the motion, um and they run Z stop. Okay? The ball is a tad bit late. Um the the defense they don't quite get a rush. They play action. Um he has he has All day, sorta, but then he gets rushed at the end, and maybe that's why he kind of threw it a little bit late, but if he sees this play very quickly, Corey Davis gets open immediately down the field. If he hits Corey Davis right after he play action to Derrick Henry, then that's an easier pass, but he waits a tad bit long, and he delivers the ball again. Nice pass, put it in a tight window, but that could have been an easier pass. Corey Davis went up and got it, used his strong hands, big bodies. He threw he threw it in between two, two guys. Corey Davis went and got it. First down, Tennessee Titans. Those are the plays that separates Marcus from Ryan. I don't think Marcus would have thrown that. I really don't uh, because I don't think Marcus trusts himself that much to throw it you got to have a strong arm to throw a pass like that he a, a guy was barreling down on him hit him square in the chest and he still delivered the ball to Corey Davis you have to have a strong arm you got to believe in your arm and your receiver to get a pass like that off but it didn't have to be that hard if he throws it a tad bit earlier that play if he anticipates it earlier that's a cleaner pass and he doesn't get hit but he didn't but he still was able to deliver the ball, and it still was a catch. First down for Corey Davis. Kudos to Corey Davis. That was a really good route. Corey Davis used his big body, strong arms, went up. and I mean, strong hands, went up and got the ball. First down, Tennessee Titans.
0: So even though Tannehill had a really good debut, some things that he needs to improve on still?
2: Yeah, and, and I think that will come, you know, the more and more he gets comfortable. Uh, with being a starter, the more and more he gets comfortable with the receivers, um, things like that will come. He are, he 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 anticipates very well, but I think at times he hesitates just a little bit. Maybe because he's scanning the field so much. If he's he usually sees the coverage and he delivers delivers it a lot of times, but sometimes just sometimes because on those two plays that I that I talked about, the nine stop and even this one to Corey Davis. Both of them were were inches from being intercepted. He has to get rid of that ball a little bit early. But when you have a strong arm like that, sometimes you take chances. Okay. Another D-Mace dissection
0: is in the book. Sean Henry, Nashville Predators president uh, and CEO, will join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll come back. We'll get back to the Predators. Big win last night over the Anaheim Ducks. That's next here on Morning Drive. Back after this on ESPN, 102.5 a Game.
4: Off the face-off, going after it. Fabro spinning and shooting. Then Arvidsson, stopped by Miller, behind the net. They're out in front. Arvidsson scores. Victor Arvidsson answers back. That took 31 seconds to respond.
0: Pete Weber, the call last night here on ESPN 1025. The game, Predators radio network as the Nashville Predators defeat the Anaheim Ducks 6-1 to and improve to 5-3-1 on the season. Offense galore, scoring shorthanded, and oh yeah, by the way, that Pekka dude, yeah, he's still undefeated in regulation.
1: Yeah, took a really good nap yesterday. Uh, that's what he attributed his success to. Took a really good nap and uh, showed up. I, I think there's a... And again, this is totally just guesswork. Looking at his sort of body language and how he's talking about the team, I think there's an element for the first time where he does—he knows he doesn't have to be perfect. And I don't know, you know, if you're—I don't know what the equivalent would be in football. If you know you've got great receivers, maybe your quarterback can breathe a little easier. There's less stress. I don't know what the equivalent is. How about about
0: this, LeBron James, knowing he doesn't have to be the guy every night? He's got Anthony Davis,
1: and maybe that's perfect. Like that—that might be a perfect comparison. It just. You know, you listen to the post-game interview, and he's just like, yeah, you know, I, I took a nap, and it was a great nap. And, like, it was like <laughs> – you're like, really? That's why you had a great game? He just looks more confident and comfortable in the team in front of him. Hey. And it's not like they haven't been good before. They've mm-hmm. been very good. But he knows that if he gives up two or three goals, they still can win the game. And and you can tell it on his, on his face and the way he talks that he's, he's so confident in the team in front of him, which is really cool to see.
2: He's – He's like – this team is like – well, I kind of compare him to the Kansas City Chiefs in regards to scoring. Um, But this team is like having, you know, four awesome shooters uh, or five awesome shooters um, and then on the defensive end having Matumbo, you know, in the back end protecting the net. Like, no, you're not bringing that in. Go ahead and try to bring it in. You're not bringing that in. <laughs> no, that no, no, out no, here. no, no. Get that out of here. Get that out of here. No, I, get I, 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 uh, nope, no, I told you, nope, gonna get out of here you know and that's what he did yesterday it was just like it feels
0: it feels like the Tennessee Titans where we've said and Floyd said this on our show yesterday if they just score 21 points the defense is so good you should win every game they're not going to give up more than 20 points so Pecorino should feel like you know what I can give up two three goals because I know my offense is going to get me probably four every night right
1: now it's certainly two yeah I mean three you get into dangerous territory Uh but but two for sure and um, yeah, it's just everybody getting involved last night as well in every different phase of the game. And listen, here, here's the thing: I, I almost asked, and, and I can't remember who we were talking to, Seamax, I think yesterday, right? I, I wanted to know what what people thought. Like the Ducks are off to a pretty hot start. They're a very different team. They're going through the transition from being an aging, older, more physical team to a younger, faster, more modern team. Which I didn't, you know, I hadn't watched a lot of them yet this year. And to see them sort of skating with that level of speed and and, and sort of skills is something new to see from the Ducks. It changes the rivalry a little bit because they were this older, heavier team for so long, um, and and so I think you know they got off to such a good start. I think they were six and three coming into the game last night, and to, to to just crush their soul like that, I think is a statement win because it's it's a hey you're 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 trying to be where we already are right? Like because the ducks, I don't think people had high expectations for the ducks coming into the year. I think people thought maybe they might fight for a playoff spot, mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens with them but they're definitely a team in transition and the preds looked like a team that was that was already established that, that's what it looked like last night
0: so so far this season it feels like when you look at the teams that are supposed to be really good or actually are good this year which anaheim comes in last night 6 and 3 but the ducks the capitals vegas san jose Predators have defeated all of those teams and have played at a high standard. Yeah, they came back in a few. Last night they just jumped all over them from the start. Uh, I know you tweeted that, that, that it was a beer game. That
1: that is my favorite part of last night. Really, is is just jump on the team, take a lead early. And Pekka said that in his, in his post game interview as well. It's like, man, it's nice to get to play so well in the first and second period, even though the Ducks played pretty well in the second period. For them to score the goals, still like that. Mm-hmm. That's to not be to not have to just every single night you cannot live fighting from behind and mm-hmm. to have a big lead early is it just takes all the pressure off everybody going into the third period
0: and, and and I know it's the rigors of an 82 game season and it's hard to have the same energy in a marathon type sport like hockey basketball or baseball where you play more than 16 games but it makes you wonder at times and yeah I'm nitpicking here where is that against the lesser competition? Because it seems like they play down to lower teams, but they get up and they kick you-know-what against the better teams.
2: Well, I mean, you—it's it, that shows you that as, as good as we believe they are and they have shown um, offensively, I know, uh, they still have another level they need to climb. Uh, we talked about it earlier, uh, Nick, and I know you were listening, Braden. Um, when you didn't have kids. Um, um, oh, boy. Exactly. Uh, big, we talk- up, big ups <laughs> to the wife every single morning for what she does. Holy smokes. Uh, we talked about, you know, and when we had Derek Mason on, it, it's not necessarily competing against who you're playing against. For the Predators, it wasn't about competing with the Ducks because you know you are a better team than the Ducks. And if you're competing with the Ducks, you're only going to play as good as the Ducks. Um, It's like a 100-meter race. The great ones don't race against the other ones that are next to them. The great ones race against the shadow right in front of them. If I beat my shadow, I'm doing something. If I don't beat my shadow, then I need to run a little bit faster now. Are you going to beat your shadow? Probably not. But still, you you have a bar that you set. Regardless of what, what happens, you have a bar that you set. And I think in order for the Predators to take that next step, that Stanley Cup winning step, it's about competing with themselves. Because right now they are the best offense in the National Hockey League. It's competing with themselves. Okay, we have the best offense. We need to have the best defense. You know, it's not competing against Anaheim or Vegas or, or Washington or these other teams. It's about competing with ourselves. If we raise our level, even in a win, if if we raise our level – higher and higher each time. Then we're good, but if we don't, even in a win, we still got some things we need to clear up. And the great ones do it. That's why Nick Saban's always fussing yeah. on the sideline. Bill it, Belichick <laughs> It's the same thing.
1: It, it's not just adding Duchenne either. He's obviously a huge addition exactly. to the offense, but it's there's an attitude adjustment. Like they, uh-huh. they you get beaten in the first round by the Dallas Stars, you get humbled. And oh, yeah. and when you get humbled, you you better have it drive you. It, you, it better affect you mm-hmm. in some way. And I don't know. I've been saying it all, all summer and all preseason and all into the. It, it, I, there's a different vibe in the locker room. They're just they feel a little bit different right now. Let's we'll see. We'll see how long it lasts, but it definitely feels different.
0: Stick to sports is coming up at eight forty-five this morning. But when we come back, it's time for our second installment of Talking Shop with the President Sean Henry, Nashville Predators President and CEO will join us when we come back. We'll talk all things sports with Sean. Hopefully he's dealing with this World Series okay. I know, you know, Yankee fan, you got to sit back and watch the Nationals and the Astros, and the, might sting a little bit. We'll find out from Sean coming up next.
1: I've had a lot of uh, daddy duty lately um, with the kids, and and you know what comes in handy? And this really makes me a bad parent is the television set. Uh, and you know when it's a little chaotic and you need to find a, a show for your kids, and, and you just need 15 minutes to you know get yourself prepared to get out of the house, or you know help make dinner or whatever. You gotta you gotta distract them for a few minutes. This is where Xfinity helps you. A couple different ways. Not only do they have eight different channel guides, you push guide once, it bring you push guide again a second time, and it brings up eight different guides. What's trending? You know, it's got uh, the sports guide, it's got the kids guide. So you go right to the kids guide, gives you all kinds of great options. And if you can't find something that you want to see there, Xfinity's got you covered in another way. You just push that little button and you say. The magic words in my house, Moana, Frozen, things like that. The girls go nuts. They want to sit down and watch the the TV. It pops right up on my screen. I don't have to know where it is or where my wife recorded it or what channel it's on. I just hit the button on the X1 voice remote, and I say, Moana. Boom. Up it pops. The girls are happy. They get to watch Maui and Moana singing on the boat, and then I get to make breakfast for them or dinner or whatever's going on. And you know what? All is well. All is happy. Thanks, Xfinity. Check them out. 1-800-XFINITY is the phone number. At Xfinity.com is the website. You know, Pop into a store today for more details. But that X1 voice remote, I'm telling you guys, it'll save your life.
2: Yeah.
0: 832, welcome back into Morning Drive. ESPN 1025, the game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise. stick to sports coming up at 845 this morning. Time for our second weekly installment of Talking Shop with the president, Sean Henry, Nashville Predators CEO, talking all things sports with us here on Morning Drive. Sean, happy Wednesday. How are you?
4: It is a happy Wednesday. I'm pretty good.
0: You're doing as well as you could considering you're watching the fall classic and your Yankees are not a part of it. Does that bother you or do you still are you still invested emotionally as a baseball fan?
4: Well, if you think I watched the Fall Classic last night when we were playing the Ducks, there's something wrong with you. Um,
0: Checking the yeah, score on the phone, little season. app action?
4: No, not Ooh. at all. Baseball season ended for me last week. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I you know I love baseball like you guys, but if my team's not in it, like I'll watch my team of Yankees by the Gracie a Yankee fans. I will always watch the Mets because I want to see them lose, and the same thing for the Red Sox. Cool. These two teams, I don't hate enough to watch. You know, and it's, uh, unfortunately, it's kind of a boring game to watch on TV if you don't care.
1: All right. I'll just ignore the shot at the Mets. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> w- Willie and I both, uh, will just ignore that. Um, I will I'm say not this. thing. That... talking about Willie Donick. Willie Donick is the dumbest man on the planet. He grew up a Yankee fan and then switched. Yes. To be the well, Very but, boring. but, but, no, listen, he was presented with a choice to either keep his soul or be a Yankees fan. So he decided to keep his soul.
4: Uh,
1: <laughs> I do want to ask cuz the Astros we're watching the Dolphins do this in the NFL right now. We're we, you know the NBA's this has been an issue in the NBA for for years. It doesn't seem to be any semblance of an issue in the NHL, but the Astros are a team that was so bad for so long. They stockpiled draft picks, they built a great farm system and now they're reaping the rewards for this. But watching the the Dolphins do what they're doing um is it, it, is I don't want to call it tanking cuz it's not really tanking. It's just sort of putting a bad team together it, it, what are your thoughts when you see other organizations and other sports doing things like that to try to it, it is in the bet they are trying to be successful it's just such a long process for the fans
4: you know it really is and, and it always goes back to you there are certain teams that for whatever reason will enter a you know five 10 15 20 year period of time where they're just a bad team and normally what follows that or precedes that is a lot of change at the top you know' coach change every eighteen months, new GM every two or three years, maybe change in managing partners at the top of the pyramid. And because of it you have this change of philosophy all the time and it's hard to catch up with. I know teams have tanked from time to time. I don't understand it. You know, if you teach a team how to lose, you're gonna have a lot of losers on your roster, you know, when you when you think you're gonna be good. Uh, so I don't think Dolphins are tanking. I just think um, it's taking a while for them to establish behind what I think is their future leadership. Already
0: hope for their sake, anyway. Sean Henry joining us here on Morning Drive. So I'm watching the game last night. I got the two TV set up going. I've got one game on the Preds. I've got one game on the World Series, and I'm thinking about World Series memories. And as a Philadelphia guy, I only have two: 1993, Joe Carter hits that home run off of Mitch Williams. I'm nine years old. It scars me for 15 years, but then I get redemption in 2008. The Phillies come back to beat the Tampa Bay Rays, in the World Series, and end a city drought of championships of 25 years. Fondest World Series memory for me, you have certainly a lot more. Your franchise has almost 30 of them. What is your fondest World Series moment?
4: Well, you know, I have a bunch of them, but the, my best one, in person anyway, was uh, 1996. I was there working at Yankee Stadium. My company used to uh, operate some facets of the operations. And I was working the end. You know, I was doing outside on the streets. And then I got to watch the game. It was game six. The Yankees were up 3-2 to two after being down 2 nothing, And I found myself standing on a forklift pallet jack with Dave Winfield in the ninth inning. <laughs> and when that ball popped up 600 feet above third base, and Charlie Hayes settled underneath it and caught it, just like Greg Nettles did against the Red Sox, you know, 20 years earlier, that big, big man kicked me up. Now, we're eight feet off the ground, elevated in right field, looking over the outfield wall. <laughs> and he grabbed me like I was a rag doll and started hugging on me. And I, my mixture of fear and elation was so intertwined. I don't know if I should wet my pants out of fear or out of excitement, but it was uh, it was pretty special because I loved Dave Winfield growing up. Mm. So to be there with him and having him hug on you was pretty cool.
1: He's a huge dude. Yeah, He's huge. Big goodness. Uh, and
4: by the way, he and I are friends on Facebook. I'm just bragging a little
1: bit.
4: Uh-huh, okay, he, he also remembers that memory. I'm sure.
2: <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> didn't he play football as well, Dave Winfield? I he, think he, could, he played he could another sport. He,
1: he and basketball he was too, basketball right? In
4: four different leagues. He yeah. was <sighs> the NBA, the NBA, NFL, and of course baseball. Yeah.
2: Oh goodness, played goodness gracious! Man, uh, we should do a
4: weekly segment on Dave
2: Winfield. Yeah, we get <laughs> who better, Dave well, like, Winfield, like, Bo Jackson, like you know, what, the two sport guys. Right around like Wednesday
1: at eight thirty. Is that what your suggestion is? <laughs> yeah. Deion Sanders, Dave, Dave
0: oh, Winfield, or Danny Tartable? Your thoughts?
4: Oh, <laughs> uh, Danny Tartable bought that really nice house that I think the Yankees are still paying
2: for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sean, I know you saw the the big, um, you know. The, the whole Boomer Sooner thing, the, the the um, what you call it, tipping over with the horses and everything else. And that was a, a debacle. Luckily, didn't no one get hurt um, in that. Um, I thought, I'm surprised that's the first time it's t- uh, turned over, considering how fast they're going and they make those sharp turns. But have you ever experienced that, um, you know, with a team you've been with where something that you do on a routine basis um whether it be during halftime you know before the game that just went totally left
4: yeah you may be nervous when you started talking about um uh, a carriage like the booner schooner uh, <laughs> i thought you're gonna bring up the predile tavern which I still have, uh, <laughs> over.
1: Um,
4: yeah you know it's funny when i was in tampa you know souvenir cups are a normal thing and mm-hmm. a concessionaire showed us something really neat and it was a glow-in-the-dark souvenir cup they were a little heavy and we were at in blackout for halftime. We used to do that back then, our uh, intermission. And so it's pitch black. We're doing a laser show. And all of a sudden, we had more lasers than I ever remember. And it clicked with me. Those weren't lasers. Those were these, like, half-pound souvenir cups getting thrown off the upper bowl. And it it may have been the worst workday of my life. Um, uh, uh, Some people got hurt. And I thought, oh, my gosh. It's a souvenir cup. We all do it every day. Mm -hmm. But we stopped doing it that night. It was the most beautiful thing i've ever seen that turned into a nightmare
1: within about eight seconds oh wow uh on a, on, on a slightly well i guess it's pretty serious but on a, on a serious note um uh, cancer is something that impacts every single one of our lives in in one way shape or form um it, it doesn't you know none of us are immune to it and i know you guys have a game coming up um or a night coming up in a, in a couple of weeks here um, that uh, Hockey Fights Cancer game is coming up. If you want to give everybody a little information about that and, and what, what exactly you guys are going to be doing and, and how people can get involved.
4: Yeah, so uh, November 2nd is the first of our two Hockey Fights Cancer nights. It's going to be a fun day. It's um, a daytime game. We're going to uh, debut or unveil the Winter Classic logo, possibly. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, so maybe we're not. Uh, um, <laughs> but it's a day that we get to rally. Take 17,000 people engage with our broadcast, kind of make it into an infomercial, the whole game on, you know, bring more awareness to the much-needed dollars for research. There's still out there. Just this week, we had an opportunity to donate over half a million dollars to uh, Vanderbilt, uh, Monroe Cal Jr.'s um, Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt with Pecorine and 365 Fund, which is kind of the start of the awareness campaign for us and what what Peca and Shea Weber created is incredible. But it goes through November 2nd, our goal is to sell 10,000 foam pucks. You get one, and then we put one on display. You write, you know, your loved one that you may have lost, or is going through a battle they shouldn't be in right now, to cancer. Um, but we'll raise, you know, hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars on November second. Ideally, another hundred, hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars in uh, the springtime for our second one. But it, it, it's a weird thing because, as we've all been touched by cancer, it's an opportunity to almost, you know, be with 17,000 other people that have how felt the same thing, and in a really warm, emotional way, celebrate, you know, those that we've lost and those that are going through uh, what they should be going through right now. Uh, So I don't know if we need awareness on cancer. As you said, it's touched all of us, but I think what a lot of people still don't realize is we're winning this battle. You know, every year success rates get better and better, but they only do because of the generosity of, of people to donate towards research.
0: Sean also coming up, you have the eighth annual Preds and Pins Celebrity Bowling Tournament presented by United Healthcare. That is just about six weeks away on Thursday, December the fifth. Tell Preds fans and our audience how they can get involved with that and some other specifics.
4: Well, I'm a little upset you bring that up. I don't know if you know the sore point about our bowling tournament. But the first year we did it, my wife was on my team, and she's from Michigan, so she's a great bowler. That's all they do up there. <laughs> and uh, she won't let me on our team ever since then. So i on another <laughs> team. And she has beaten me six straight years. And it's absolutely awful. Uh, but it is a really fun event. You know, we get a chance to bring out some kids before the tournament, and uh, they get a chance to bowl with um, some of our guys, some of our alumni. It's a really special day for them where they get to, uh, you know, enjoy something that maybe they don't get to enjoy and then you convert 40 lanes or so from um, Strike and Spare through their generosity to a really fun engagement. You have some celebrities in every lane. And you have, we had someone bowl a perfect game one year, and then you have guys bowling 40s at the same time. So it's a really fun day. You know, Not everyone plays golf. Not everyone does certain things. So the idea is to try to touch a lot of different events to, again, raise some money and bring some attention and have some kids enjoy themselves. But if you have an opportunity to do it, you know, please visit our website, Check it out. It is one of the most fun events that I get to participate in every year, even though I'm losing the battle of my home.
1: <laughs> right, but do you want to be married to a winner, or do you want to be married to someone who gives out participation trophies? Like, you you got you to gotta respect the, the cutthroat winning nature of her attitude, right?
4: Well, I know my answer. I just hope that she wants to be married to a loser, because well, obviously <laughs> that's who she's
2: married to. Hey, so listen. I hope she stays <laughs> my set. Like Mike Singletary say, I want winners. Yeah. That's all I want. Winners, <laughs> <Good>. okay? <laughs> Sean, always a pleasure. We appreciate
0: the time. We'll chat again next Wednesday.
4: All right, guys. Thanks so much.
0: Yeah. You got it. Sean Henry, Nashville Predators president and CEO. How about this? Mm-hmm. He, the highlight of that whole segment there, Sean Henry calling the play-by-play voice of the Nashville Predators on television an idiot. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, I never knew Willie went from being a Yankee fan to a Mets fan.
1: Well, there's a, there's a story there to it. It's, I mean, that's
0: like D-May saying, you know what? I'm done with my Range Rover. I'm going to get a Geo Prism.
1: Hey, I'm sitting in the room, dude. Like, I'm sitting right here. I can hear the words you're, t- you're saying. No, listen, I'm not even kidding. You want to sell your soul? Go be a Yankees fan. That's fine.
0: Yeah, I don't want to be a Bama fan anymore. I'm going to root for South Carolina.
2: Yeah, that's just.
1: Yeah. Y'all don't know the story.
2: That's just so. Cool. You, can you give us the backstory when we come have, back? On, Willie, you I, went to Van. I don't come have on, the can't full. Crazy.
1: I don't have the full background. I think he was given a choice. He's married to a diehard Red Sox fan, which also might have been part of the equation mm. as well. Uh, so there's some.
2: You got to uh, stand up for yourself, th- Willie.
1: There's a lot of. There's a lot of. Weird Willie going on. It's just weird Willie. Weird, weird, weird Willie. <laughs> Man,
3: I'm done with Alabama football. You know what? No, no. After guys, Georgia State guys, won it's... that game against Tennessee, I think I may move to Georgia State. It's too.
1: not the same thing. College State. sports are different. It's not the same thing. Oh, weird. All, willy. all I know is that New York is a National League town. It's oh, weird. Willy. Not an American League town. And I was going to ask him about his favorite moment if he remembers Luis Gonzalez or not, but I just didn't. I don't know if he,
0: Ooh.
1: he remembers Ooh. that.
0: Ooh. the day the Yankees dynasty died.
1: I, I hate the Yankees dynasty. So (laughs)
0: 2001. Was Craig Council in that game as well?
1: Uh, Probably, yeah. Didn't he have a huge...
0: Yeah. Didn't he hit that little bloop over, or was that was that Gonzalez?
1: No, I thought it was Gonzalez. It was, was, Gonzalez. It, was it Council or Gonzalez? I thought it was well, Council had one of those bloops. It was maybe. like the only bad play in Mario Rivera's career. Like, I never trusted. He never, he never had a bad play except I, that one.
0: I never trusted Craig Council because he never wore batting gloves, and if you don't wear batting gloves, I don't trust you.
1: Oh, I love Moises Alou, and he pees on his hands,
0: and the guys that like always choke <laughs> oh up on goodness.
1: the bat. He does, I got boy. no pl- dude. Alex Bregman chokes up on the bat. What who, are you talking about? What who, planet are you on?
0: Who was the guy for? The Angels, early to mid two thousands, little little scrappy infielder didn't wear batting gloves, always choked up. Wait, wait, say say this again. Di- for the Angels,
1: what what years are you talking?
0: Early about? to mid two thousands. He was a
1: middle infielder,
0: real scrappy, grinded out, that's small like, that's little. Like,
1: that's like every middle yeah. infielder. <laughs> I, I know.
0: I, I can't think of the guy. <laughs> didn't wear batting gloves, always choked
1: up. Was that the Troy Gloss teams? It was,
0: Gloss was on. The, Gloss like, played so, third. Mike Socha
1: was the Socha coach. was the
0: manager. Yeah. It was the year they went to the World Series against Barry Bonds and the Giants. 2002-2003, somewhere in that area.
1: Oh, man. I think they won at no
0: three. got to figure out who this guy is. This will drive me nuts. Call us, tweet us. Who was the scrappy little white guy for the Angels that didn't wear batting <laughs> gloves and always choked up? Lead-off hitter. He was a total pain in the butt, but he was good.
1: Don't don't be insulted though by by guys who choke up on the bat, like or don't wear batting gloves. Like th- that's real baseball players right there, man. I'm all for the that's show. Alex Breg- you gotta look good. That's Alex Bregman. That, that's uh you know Moises Alou. There's a lot of a lot of guys that don't uh, don't wear batting gloves or choke up on the bat. All
0: right. come on now. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. Stick to sports. Coming up next. It is Morning Drive, ESPN 1025, The Game. How do you know the audience loves you? Because when you ask, they deliver. Calls, tweets, texts. <laughs> you know it. The answer, David Eckstein. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's like the most scrappiest of all scrappiest guys.
0: If he's on your team, you love him. If you lose against him, he's the kind of guy that drives you nuts. I
1: believe he's the manager at his alma mater, Nebraska, right now. Nebraska baseball. I believe good
0: dude, Nebraska baseball.
1: You know me. I like college baseball.
0: How many five stars they got? Not not a lot.
1: <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> all
0: right. One thing that is five star worthy. It's stick to sports.
1: The world is a crazy place. Crazy sounding pretty good right now. Let's lighten the mood. I- seriousness you're just gonna Doesn't crumble it up is. and throw in the trash basically and stick to
2: sports now, now, now on morning drive stick to sports is brought to you by decorating Den interior stick with the pros that decorated Den when you're ready to decorate your home office or outdoor spaces Request a complimentary appointment at decorandin.com.
1: Um, I'm an idiot. Not that you guys already didn't know that. I mean, um, <laughs> but it's the other scrappy white dude whose name starts with a D and his second name starts with an E. Darren Erstad uh-huh. is the University of Nebraska manager and head coach, who also, I believe, played for those Angels teams as well. Former
0: first baseman. For,
1: yeah. So, come on. Do I get a little credit? Like, pretty yeah. close. Like, yeah. their initials are DE. They both played on the same team. They're both scrappy white guys. Like,. Mm-hmm. Uh, You guys are going to give it to me? What other shows in in Nashville
0: are you going to get a Nebraska baseball reference? None. Exactly. None
1: None
2: whatsoever. (laughs) Or anywhere in the world. Yeah, anywhere in the world. Yeah, other than Nebraska. Yeah, other
1: than maybe Lincoln. (laughs) Number
2: one. All right, Nick, yesterday you teased
3: something about a haircut experience that you had, and you never told us the story. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so what was that story, and also, what is the worst haircut story that you guys have?
0: Well, the, the haircut story was, with the family in town for the last couple of days, we took the, the wife out for her birthday for dinner, and I needed to clean up, and I was pressed for time, so I didn't have time to go home and do the 45-minute head shave myself. Uh-huh. So I That's rolled into the barbershop. It takes forever to shave it down. So I go into the barbershop, and I said, hey, real quickly, can, can I get this done on the fly? And they said, "Sure, we don't have time to do the whole hot towel because we do a whole process." Uh-huh. So I go, "That's fine. I just need my head cleaned up so I look presentable," and they charged me thirty three dollars. Good lord!
1: There, there's one. I don't have hair. Yeah. So so there's it's interesting. There's there's a shot there's a and I think Willie actually go Willie Donick we, we, weird Willie goes to this uh, weird Willie <laughs> goes to this same barbershop uh, over in our neighborhood because he and I live in the same area and. My my worst, my this will tie into my worst haircut story ever, uh, but along those lines, Nick, I go in and I go, this is back when I had really, really short hair, mm-hmm. and I said, I just need you to shave it, like, shave it off. Like, give me, like, the two, right? Mm-hmm. Give me the two guard, like, all the way around. And they're like, okay, that's $10. And I said, well, can you can you give me a little fade? Like, give me a one around the sides mm-hmm. and, like, fade it up to the two, right? Like, it's not that much. You p- click on one extra guard and mm-hmm. go around the back and the sides. Yeah, yeah. She's like, well, that's <laughs> 25 And I was like, so to just do a straight buzz with one guard is... <sighs> Like eleven dollars. But the second you clip on a second guard of the trimmer, I gotta more than double my payment to you. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Yeah, sorry, the fade is it would cost money. I was oh, like, You got to wow. be kidding me.
0: What, what do you pay for a shape up when you go to get your beard done?
2: Uh I, usually, usually, get, I usually get the whole that like, head, beard, everything. Um It's like hundred and twenty dollars. No, 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 no. <laughs> um goodness, I think it's like uh, I think it's like twenty some thirty almost thirty dollars. But tip included? Um, twenty thirty yeah. with tip or before yeah. tip? No, before tip. Okay. So like my, 20,
1: my, uh, mine is thirty dollars, but I pay, but she gives me. I've told you guys this best bar, best best. Uh, she's a stylist. Mm. You know, I've known her. She's a good friend of the family. You, you get a twenty five minute head massage, wash. You know, shampoo conditioner. Wash, haircut, then go back and get another head, get a, get another wash to rinse out all the extra stuff because you know I have hair still. Um, but worst ever experience ever mm-hmm. was a couple of weeks ago mm. when we took our almost three year old to get her first ever haircut. She mm. cried, huh? would not sit like yeah. s- bloody murder, torture, screamed bloody murder, terrified out of her mind, mm. would not sit in the chair, absolutely not. So excited to go. To get there and then realize like what was happening i guess and was just Mortified. like like you know you know you know when a toddler's laying face down on the floor screaming mm-hmm. for no reason like it was we were just looking like Haley and i were looking at you like what
2: the hell are we supposed to do my my <laughs> worst <laughs> was um my uncle uh would cut my would cut our hair i yeah, used to my hate dad that. my dad was my dad was gone he was in the army at the time so he was deployed and my mom would work, and so my uncle would cut our hair. And he would put a bowl, like, seriously, literally, with the one guard. Matter of fact, it wasn't no guard. He just took a bowl, put it on our head, and cut a circle around. That was the it. Bowl yeah. The yeah, bowl cut? The Straight yeah. bowl yeah. cut? Straight bowl cut. It was the. Worse, didn't edges up, didn't do anything, straight, full cut, and then you know I started, you know, after a while you start going to barber shop. Well, you had older now. brothers that were like, dude, you. Yeah, need and to- then my brother learned how to fade, and so he used yeah, to fade us. Yeah. But now, you know, I hadn't had any bad ones now because you know my barber in Franklin, Tony, best, he's the best. I got the best barber shop because it's a typical barber shop. Like he cuts everybody, black, white, he don't matter. He cuts everybody here, but we talk so much trash in that barber shop, man. Well, that's what it's, it's yeah, yeah, that's what it's for. Yeah, those are the best ones. That's what it's
1: for, yeah. Yeah, Candy's uh, is, is the name of my barber, or my stylist, excuse uh-huh. me. Also, do you, you ever have the lightning bolt? I always wanted the lightning bolt when I was a kid. I did. Uh-huh. <laughs> I always wanted the lightning bolt. What are you, Brian Bosworth? I never got it. I never had <laughs> it.
3: I have, I have, it's called a part. They put, like, designs and stuff
1: in you your had head. You got a
2: party eyebrow? I just meant the lightning bolt. I, lighting I, I did not. I never did. I, I, I never did. That was too my far. Is yes. that where you put
1: like a like a like a yeah. three like two little lines or yeah, three, three,
2: three little lines? Yeah, I had what? that in my eyebrow. How, I could do that myself. How old were you? I was in middle school then. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I was in middle school. I thought like he was
3: going to be like was last week.
2: About thirty. That sort of sounds like when I
1: had an earache. Yeah,
3: when I first moved here. I had to, cause obviously like finding a barber is probably the hardest thing you have to do. Oh, yeah. As a young African American kid who does not let anybody cut his hair, I've like the same dude has cut my hair for like 10 years. So I had to find a barber here. So I found one down the street from my house. He cut my hair and I hear some spray stuff. Like obviously I don't have like I don't have the the crispy hairline like uh-huh. everybody, but my hairline is fine. Like I don't have a LeBron hairline. <laughs> but this dude literally tried to spray me a whole new hairline. I walked out of that barbershop looking like Jamie Foxx. As soon as I got home and washed it, like my headline was like LeBron backwards. Oh, wow. And I was like, "What is this?" I'm like, "Why did you do this to me, man?" Like I didn't need that. I don't I'm not trying to look like Drake. Like I don't
1: need that. In in my head dude Who, like, who's, you- wh- who's worse tiger or lebron tiger's bad i think definitely. lebron's paid for his to be fixed a oh, bit, oh right? yeah. lebron i mean so tiger's why isn't tiger definitely. paid tiger's got just as much money if not well, tiger more. don't care he don't care yeah <laughs> and he has to wear a hat bad. every day for, yeah, for work yeah he don't care
0: worst uh barbershop story for me so i used to go to a stylist when i had hair which braden you have hair you can go to a stylist once you lose your hair you go to a barbershop yeah so, I made the transition around 25, 26 years old from the stylist to the brother barbershop. Uh huh. First time I go there, long line. I mean, there's like 20 people deep with six barbers. It took three hours. W- I get home, wife says, The heck took you so long? It was like, it was packed. It was a Saturday morning. I learned my oh, lesson. Yeah, I'll you go early. Next time around, a couple weeks later, I'm the first one in line. Door's not even <laughs> open. A barber comes in, opens the door. I sit down, a couple other barbers come in. Still took me two hours to get a haircut. Bald fade, two on top, tight around the sides and the back. The Barbers got into an NBA conversation (laughs) debate. It turned out to an all-out sports talk war for 30 minutes where I was actually going stretches of time where my head wasn't being cut. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there. I love that. And, and I'm sitting there, lone white guy, brother barbershop, and I'm just like, I didn't I'll just that. sit here and take it. I'm like, all right, good, Yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're sitting uh, there.
0: No, I agree. Chauncey Billups. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I was going
1: to say, what was your take on Divas? Like <laughs> I No, oh, I didn't man. been to
3: barbershops like that where they're cutting your hair. They get like a call on the Bluetooth. and be like, Oh, on, my God. It's bro. brutal. <laughs> hold on, bro. And they go outside and
1: you're sitting there with the with the <laughs> thing over here stuff like, like where does this like, guy go? It's like itching around your neck and you're like, come yeah. on, man. I
0: I got a two on one side and a full head of hair on the other and
3: you, you know
1: i'm gonna
0: ask
3: you guys this real quick do you guys get like your first time going into a black barbershop like what were you what was your thought process of like man i oh, i loved it did you love it yeah what about you right have you because yeah. i hated stylists
1: i, I mean i haven't gone in a long time because again i used to have really really short hair and that's when i used to do that and then like my wife likes it a little bit longer while i still have it so i i just let it grow a little bit but it, yeah i mean it's I don't know, it's no different than going into any any, no, other, any other place. I like
2: going to barbershops where you can just talk about anything.
1: Yeah, about. I mean it's it's I don't know. I'm trying to I don't know. It just there's this not a, a lady
2: that's selling
3: bean pies in your barbershop? You don't, that's not a real barbershop. <laughs> <laughs> There's a
1: lady that just goes around
2: selling bean pies. That's like a hood right there. That's like a hood right this there.
0: There's lower Antioch barbershops for you. I love when the guy comes in trying to sell razor blades on the cheap to the barbers. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, I go to a, real, I go to a supply place. I'm a good place, man. Yeah. No solicitors, yeah. yeah. If you don't have the bootleg DVD or the, the, yeah. pie, the pie lady, then yeah, that's not yeah. a real barbershop. I'm sitting there getting a fade, and the guy goes, hey, you want Rush Hour 3 on Blu-ray? <laughs> Five bucks. I'm like, no, I'm good, man. <laughs> (laughs) All right, we'll come back hour four next either.